This morning's reading is John 1, verse 47 to the end. This can be found on page 1005 of the Church Bible. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God's ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> okay, pop trivia. Who are the two artists pictured and what are the songs for extra points? Annie Lennox, there must be an angel, in brackets, playing with my heart. Robbie Williams and Angels. Excellent, very good. For all the points, what year? <laughs> Annie Lennox, playing with my heart. 88, lower. Lower. 85, 85. <laughs> Robbie Williams, Angels. Lower, higher, <laughs> 1997, excellent. <laughs> okay, today is the church festival day of St. Michael and all angels, so um, the readings that we had at the 845 and the one we just had now uh, reflect something of that angelic theme, and I've just been told by a reliable source that, um, have you heard of the knife angel sculpture? Have you seen? It's supposed to be huge and very impressive, made up of, of knives that have been... And it's a sort of statement about peace, really, isn't it? Um, it's at Rochester Cathedral, and today is its last day. So obviously, when you've all been to see the baptisms, then you are free to go <laughs> and see the knife angel in Rochester. Um, but yeah, has anyone been to see it, other than my reliable source? Oh, a handful of people. Impressive? Yeah. yeah. Well... If nothing else, it's good to be reminded that God's creation extends into realms that we know little or nothing about, because actually we don't really know that much about angels, and um, about how much of what the Bible does say about them is meant to be literal and taken literally, or is figurative. But broadly speaking, uh, we do know that angels are part of the created order. They serve God in heaven by assisting and protecting God's people on earth. And an angel, if you remember, is sent to shut the mouths of the lions when Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. And an angel is sent to free Peter from prison. We acted that out at Lighthouse this morning. They are mighty in power and in knowledge. They are holy, but they do not receive worship themselves. Exodus 20 says, "'You shall not make for yourself an idol,' in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath. 
And when John has his vision in Revelation 19, he falls to his feet to worship the angel um, that is bringing him the message from God. But the angel's response is, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Do not worship me, worship God. So angels serve before God. They sometimes appear in the Bible as agents of God's judgment and sometimes as messengers and comforters of God's people. They participate in the continuous worship of heaven. They rejoice when those who were apart from God repent and return to God. So these are all things that the Bible tells us about angels. If we could have the next slide, please. Not particularly clear, sorry about that, it looked better on my computer at home, but there's a lot of myth and folklore around angels, and it seems that our popular culture is absolutely obsessed with them. A quick check on that final authority, Amazon, revealed that there are over 10,000 results for books about angels under the category of religion and spirituality, and many of those aren't written from a Christian perspective at all. We've got to be careful that we don't, as Christians, start to incorporate ideas about angels that come from our human imagination. And this was just a little, uh, the results of a quick trawl across the internet that I had. Um, so we've got uh, a common site in a churchyard. There's a, a stone angel um, on a tomb there. We've got, in the top left-hand corner, I think something around guardian angel going on there because the boy's near the edge of a river or something. Um, the one in the middle has an inscription on it to do with, I think, butterflies, an angel of butterflies or something. Um, we've got a dog, an angelic dog, who knew? Um, we've got, I think, cherubs, um, classical art, um, cherubs depicted down there. This book, Discover How to Connect, Communicate and Heal with the Angels, The Power of Angels. Again, it's, there's a lot of that kind of literature around. Um, there's an angel in the middle there with a set of crystals that are supposed to help you tap into angelic power and healing and things like that. And then there's a set of angel cards um, down there, some kind of like a tarot deck of cards. So there's, there's tons of this kind of stuff out there um, that people are really interested in and tap into. But in the Bible, nowhere does it mention that angels come in female form. They're always referred to in the masculine. Nowhere does it say that angels um, appear as animals or birds. Nowhere does it say that people become angels when they die. It's surprising the number of people that believe that to be the case. Angels are created beings of a separate kind from human beings. Angels don't gain their wings. In fact, only two classes of angels are described in the Bible as having wings in the first place, the cherubim and the seraphim. There's no indication in the Bible that angels age. They don't start out like young, fat babies. <laughs> they exist agelessly with God in something more like an adult form. Gabriel appears to Daniel, and then 500 years later to Mary and Zechariah. No mention of a walking frame. <laughs> in the first reading that we had this morning, we had um, part of the letter to Hebrews, which um, may have been written by Paul, and he's at pains in that letter to point out that wonderful and powerful, though angels are, they are ministering spirits. They're servants of God. And basically, we're not meant to obsess over them. There's nothing created in heaven or on the earth that should take the place of our primary focus on Jesus Christ. 
Nevertheless, it remains true that many Christians will say that they have had an experience in their lives that they just wondered whether the person that they encountered was actually a real human being or whether it was somebody in angelic form who came to help them out. And I did a little show of hands at the 8.45 to see if anybody felt they might have had an experience like that that they just couldn't explain. And you'd be surprised the number of hands that went up. Should we do that here? Anyone here feel that they may have encountered an angel? It's nothing that, you know, to be embarrassed about. There's quite a lot of us who've had some kind of an experience like that that they can't explain. Okay, thank you. And we shouldn't be surprised because actually the Bible is full of stories of angels who come and serve when people are in desperate and difficult situations and come to encourage. I heard a really remarkable story once um, from a couple who had gone to look at a car um, and uh, they were in the garage you know, where, where they sell cars looking at this car and they didn't notice that their very young child had wandered out of the garage and um, was in the process of crossing a very busy dual carriageway. And when they rushed to the door, they could see him, and he was sat on the kind of middle reservation with his legs right out in front of him, completely stock still. And when they eventually managed to cross the road, you know, shouting, stay there, stay there, don't move, don't move, they got to him, they picked him up. What were you thinking? What happened? Why did you stop? And he said, because a man came and tied my legs together so I couldn't go any further. (laughs) And he wasn't able to move until one of his parents picked him up. (laughs) And you just, you know, they just kind of went, what? You know, Um, amazing story. (laughs) So in this second reading, um, Jesus says a really strange thing to Nathanael. And it's that mysterious phrase, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And it's a picture of what the incarnation has done. God come down to dwell with us in flesh and blood, one of us in Jesus. Jesus is the bridge, or the ladder, if you like, between humanity and the divine. What was closed off to us is now open through him. Jesus reaches from a highest, purest heaven down to the very lowest depths of our weaknesses and our sin. And in Christ, there is a way now for all of that love to reach down and rescue all who would have it. For those heavenly messengers of God to flow as God bids them between those once incompatible worlds and the description that Jesus uses of angels ascending and descending on the son of man really really perplexing description isn't it but it would have instantly resonated in Nathaniel's mind because it references the dream that Isaac's son Jacob has in Genesis 28 he uh, he's tired he pulls up a rock for a pillow I guess it's not surprising you dream if you do that <laughs> but he sees in his dream a stairway or a ladder stretching from the earth up into heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Can we have the next slide? I love this. This is a a, a fantastic illustration in the Morgan Picture Bible who've taken this very, very literally indeed. You've got your angels going up and your angels coming down um, on this ladder and there is uh, Jacob asleep at the bottom of it all. Let's have the next one and a slightly more conventional artist rendering of, of the same thing. Again, interesting, we've got pictures of very, very angely-looking angels, haven't we, with big bright wings and long flowing robes there, as Jacob sleeps. So God makes a promise to Jacob that he will give him and his descendants the land that Jacob is lying on, and that his descendants will be numerous 
and that all the peoples on earth are going to be blessed by his offspring. And Jesus really is the fulfillment, he's saying, of that covenant promise. He is that very ladder, that very way between heaven and earth by which all might be blessed, by which all might come to him. Jacob had no idea of the reach of that vision, did he? And in the second reading too, we have Jesus meeting Nathanael and revealing how thoroughly he knows him. Now, despite this being Nathanael's first meeting with Jesus, Jesus not only knows what he's been doing with his time, he says, when I, when I saw you under the fig tree, and that carries an understanding that Nathanael was a, a faithful student of the faith. Um, he's dedicated to the study of the Jewish word. Um, it was kind of a known thing that you'd take um, the scriptures and you would study under the shade of something like a fig tree. But it also shows that Jesus knows his character. He says, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So he sees him, he weighs him, and he knows him completely. And he doesn't contradict or correct Nathanael when he calls Jesus Rabbi, the Son of God, the King of Israel. But he does use this strange title about himself, Son of Man. So it's as if Nathanael correctly identifies Christ's divinity and Jesus uses a title of himself that also points to his humanity. It is, of course, another angel, the angel Gabriel, who announces to Mary that her baby is going to be the Son of God and that his name will be Jesus. God, incredibly, was going to become a human being and live among human beings, experiencing all that human beings experience. God would be touchable. God would be incarnate. So thoughts of heaven and angels and, and those kind of beings are enticing and attractive because they point to things not seen, things not yet in our experience. They're mysterious. It's a promise of things to come when we too will cross that divide between earth and heaven and worship God as one. But for now, we're firmly grounded. We catch only glimpses of heavenly things, perhaps in those times and in those places that feel very spiritually thin, where sometimes it really does seem as if heaven has broken through. But in our day-to-day, -day, we're very flesh and blood. There's nothing ethereal about us. But that's okay, because the medium that God chose to reveal himself to us most fully was the human body. Max Lucado writes, The tongue that called forth the dead was a human one. The hand that touched the leper had dirt under its nails. The feet upon which the woman wept were calloused and dusty. And his tears, oh, don't miss the tears. They came from a heart as broken as yours or mine has ever been. It's a reminder for us of both the power and the will of God to punch a hole in heaven and throw open for salvation for the whole of humanity through Jesus. Do you need to know this today? Do you need to know for you that God is not remote? that Jesus Christ, who saw Nathanael under the fig tree and knew him completely, knows you completely.
for those of you who are in difficult and impossible situations at the moment in your own lives or are worried for those who are, God is not remote. This is Jesus saying, I am the connection. I am the ladder. I am the way between the love that is in heaven and the love that you need and the transformation and the healing that you need. And he knows us. Nathaniel is a seeker of the truth. We know this from John 1.45. He's sceptical initially. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He says when Philip says, come and see Jesus, we found the one. But when he meets him, he's impressed, firstly, by Jesus' supernatural knowledge. And he recognizes, yes, he is the one that Moses wrote about in the law. Jesus sees Nathanael's sincerity and he points him to the bigger picture, to the greater things he will see. He's not just the redeemer of Israel, but the embodied connection between heaven and earth. The healer of the rift between God and humanity. The provider of the way back to God. Something a mere angel could never do. Amen.